I haven't seen you since last year. It's been a while. I trust you all had a wonderful Christmas season. But you know what? Christmas is not over. Today is Epiphany. It's actually a pretty important day on the Christian calendar, although largely ignored by our culture and, and uh, ignored by even many Christians. The word epiphany comes from a Greek word, epiphania, a little Greek lesson this morning, which means to show, to make known, to reveal, to manifest. It commemorates the manifestation of God's glory in Jesus and the visit of the Magi to the manger. Epiphany is also called Three Kings Day or Twelfth Day. It's also a celebration of Jesus as the light of the world. Epiphany is always January 6th, 12 days after Christmas. Uh, and therefore, you know, oftentimes Epiphany does not fall on a Sunday. Officially marks the end of the Christmas season. In fact, Christmas ends effectively tonight, midnight, when all of you, I'm sure, will take down your Christmas decorations. <laughs> Our scripture readings this morning are typically read on this day. Listen now to God's word as I read from Isaiah and the Gospel of Matthew. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. And in these words from the Gospel of Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the, for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the way that you have revealed yourself to us in the glory of Jesus, the babe in a manger. And Lord, we would come to you to that light now. Speak to us afresh of your love and your grace and of your marvelous light. For it's in his name that we pray these things. Amen. So, who were these magi, these wise men who seem to play such a key role in the Christmas story? And Actually, they're rather mysterious. We don't know their names, at least they're not named in Scripture. Tradition later gives them the names Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And um, there may not, as you know, have been three wise men. Sorry to destroy your... Conceptions, but, um, but it's implied that there were three wise men because there were three gifts given, right? They appear to have been wealthy, judging by the nature of uh, the, pr- the precious nature of the gifts that they gave. And uh, they seem to have been important enough to have been received into the courts of King Herod. Chances are these wise men were not kings, but were members of a priestly caste in the courts of Persia who practiced and studied astrology. And, of course, it was an unusually bright star in the night sky that drew their interest. But one of the most important facts about these wise men that is often overlooked is that these men were not Jews. They were not members of the chosen people of Israel. They were pagans, in fact. Pagans. They were Gentiles. Foreigners. Outsiders, which is to say that the light of God's radiance on display in the baby Jesus in Bethlehem and now shines upon God's people is for everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike. Jesus is the light of the whole world, not just for a select few or for a chosen nation, a group of insiders, or for people who are disposed to believe this kind of thing. As the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. The good news is that Jesus is the unique and savior of the whole world and would draw people of every nation and every race and every social class to himself. And all of this is an answer to prophecy. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's a beautiful vision of the whole world streaming to the light, which shines upon all those gathered underneath that light. And nations and kings will come and shall offer their gifts and their praise. And so the magi are representative of those nations, of those foreigners who are also to hear the gospel. It's important, isn't it, that among the first to see Jesus in the flesh were outsiders, non-Jews. It's for all people. 
And one day, as the Apostle Paul put it in his letter to the Philippians, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, the radiant light of God in Jesus has amazing power to attract. Not unlike a moth attracted to a brilliant light bulb at night. The shepherds were drawn to the light and they, and they left their flocks. The disciples felt the pull of Jesus, the light of the world, as he stood there at the seashore and they left their nets. And the wise men were so attracted that they, they left their country and embarked upon a long and perilous journey. What was it that specifically led the wise men to leave everything to follow the star? It had to be more than curiosity to satisfy their astrological interest. But they left the courts of Persia to satisfy the deepest longings of their hearts. For these wise men were students of the world, And they were after wisdom and meaning and hope. And they believed that they would find these things at the end of their search as they followed the light. And with joy, they did indeed discover their heart's chief aim and desire. And they found him lying in a manger and they worshipped him. So... What is it that makes you want to follow Jesus? What is it that leads you to come here? And most of you to come here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I know it's not to hear me. And I know it's not here, it's not because you want to hear the music as fabulous as it is in this church. But you come, you are here because you too are drawn to the light. You are attracted to Jesus. You know that there is something about him and what he has that you need. You too are looking to satisfy the longings of your heart. You too, like the wise men, are looking for wisdom and for meaning and for hope. You feel God's attraction. You feel the pull. And you realize that Jesus is really what you most need. In fact, if you have him, you have everything you need. And so you come, looking for hope in what as you and I know, can be a very dark world. Filled as it is with all kinds of moral and spiritual confusion and tribulation and turmoil of every kind and evil abounding. Isaiah is pretty honest. He says, see, look around you. Darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. And many people live in fear and in despair. They're really in the dark. 
I think of that family that uh, took a vacation trip to the Carlsbad Caverns. I've never been there. It's one of my things that I'd like to do one day. Uh, And they went down into the caverns, and they each held a lantern. And then the guide instructed them to turn out their lanterns to illustrate just how pitch dark it really gets down there. And one little girl who was always afraid of the dark, with all the courage she could muster, said in as calm a voice as possible, she says, "Uh, Is there anybody here who knows how to turn on the lights? And that's such a human cry in the darkness of human suffering and evil. Does anyone know how to turn on the lights? And that's what people were wondering 2,000 years ago. Seemed as though God had abandoned them. But then, there was a star in the sky. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Good news. A great light is shining. God turned it on, and God was on his way. And some men from the east saw it, and they were drawn to it, and the light beckoned them from the corners of darkness, and hope was being born again, and countless others have been streaming to that light ever since. The good news is that the light of God in Jesus is for everybody, for everyone. But if the light of God and Jesus is so wonderful, and if it has such drawing power, satisfying our our heart's deepest longings, then why do some people seem to run from that light or ignore it? Why do so many people still live in darkness? Some folks, frankly, prefer it that way. They instinctively know that as amazing as God's light must be, that light also exposes their brokenness and their failure and their sin. And honestly, these people just don't want to be exposed. They would rather live under the cover of darkness. They kind of like what they're already doing, even though it might not be particularly helpful or healthy. And they know that somehow if they come to the light, that means they'll have to walk in the light, and that means living differently. And there are some folks that just don't want to change. They actually prefer the darkness. But could it also be the case that people are not coming to God's light because we who are God's people are hiding our light, putting our light under a bushel? Jesus said, let your light so shine that others may see your good works and so glorify your Father in heaven. Now, our light, of course, is a reflected light. We have no light in ourselves. I mean, imagine going into a dark jewelry store and suddenly turning on the lights just above uh, you know, the, the showcase, the jewelry showcases. And then all those jewels shine back at you in all their brilliance and all their radiance. The stones have no light in themselves. They only reflect the light that is above them. 
And the same is true for you and me. You and I were created to reflect God's light, the light of God's Son. And when we think of some of our Christian friends who are living such rich and meaningful lives and they seem to be making such a difference, making their lives count, and we realize that though these people have no spiritual light in themselves, their lives are beautiful and attractive because they're reflecting Christ's light. We see something of Christ in them. They're pushing back the darkness. They're allowing the light of Christ to, to shine through them. May our lives so shine. Henry Van Dyke uh, wrote one of the most famous fictional accounts of the visit of the Magi to Bethlehem, which he called the story of the other wise man. And in this story, the author speaks of a fourth wise man who searched for years for the Christ child but was never able to catch up with the others. He had a late start, and apparently his GPS was not working. (laughs) And this wise man had three jewels, I mean great wealth, which he intended to give to the newborn king should he find him. But he kept searching and searching and searching. And along the way, he kept running into people who were in great need. And he couldn't very well just pass by without helping them. So in their need and their want, he would give them a jewel and then wish them well. These jewels, again, intended to to give to the newborn Christ child. Well, this fourth wise man continued to search. Indeed, he searched for Jesus for the rest of his life, only to realize at the very end of his life that he had both found Jesus and worshipped him. Each time, he gave himself and his gift to the one who was in need. Through his compassionate service, this fourth wise man pushed back some of the world's darkness. And that is your task, and it is my task, to live so much in the light, in God's light, in Jesus, that we reflect his life through the compassion we show others. So the question is for each of us to answer, to what extent are you and I reflecting the light of Christ in our lives as we go about our daily round? Can others see Jesus in us? Or, somehow, have we concealed it? Or put it under a bushel? Preferring, unbelievably, the darkness. Each one of us can be a light to somebody who is sitting in darkness. We can visit the lonely and the sick. We can uh, cheer up the depressed. We can offer transportation to someone who really needs to get to the doctor. We can all reach out in different kinds of ways, even if they seem rather small and insignificant. But it's that kind of life that truly draws people to the light who is Jesus. You and I ought to be shining as brightly as the stars in the night sky. One writer, John Stott, says, I sometimes think how splendid it would be if non-Christians curious to discover the secret and source of our light were to come up to us and inquire, 
Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. And that's the point. To so shine with good works that others are led to discover that our light is really his light. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So may it be. Amen.